and just take two steps forward. Even though my brain is saying, you can't do that. You don't know how to do that. Just two steps forward more. The world beyond. Emotion is of tomorrow. Brought to you by Michelle and Mark. Welcome back to my podcast, The World Beyond the Emotion Years of Tomorrow. I'm Michael Mack, and today my guest is Athena Demas, futurist, PX advisor, keynote speaker, as well as CEO and co-founder of Big Rock Creative, a multi-award winning XR experience company. Hello, thank you. Wonderful to be here. Let me um, try to start with some quick questions, um, a quartet of questions I came up with. One. On Instagram, you describe yourself as a wanderer, traveler, and experiencer. What's the best place to live in the world to you? Oh my Lord, that is quite the question. I do love wandering and that's why I live as a nomad. I don't have a home base that I'm constantly going back to. I've had this lifestyle for the last five years and I've really enjoyed it because I've been able to explore as many different places as I possibly can and I can do it all as part of my business, as part of Big Rock Creative. I go to conferences and I meet amazing people and I get to speak and share ideas and then stay there until it's time to go to the next place, to go to the next conference, to speak on the next panel and share ideas and meet wonderful people. Two. So being um, into the industry of XR and um, AR and VR, what is it, Apple or Microsoft for you? Well, I'm a PC. I've been a PC and an Android my entire life. Uh, as, as long as they've been out. I mean, I predate any of these computers. And it's just what I've always been comfortable with. Now that I'm in the XR industry, it is what's necessary. Uh, you really need to be a PC if you're going to do XR. The Macs aren't designed for this type of rendering. And so if you're going to work with programs like Unreal Engine, you really need that high-powered graphics card. You need the power. And Mac, it's great for doing little graphics and your basic editing and I have friends of mine including my business partner that loves Mac and has been with them his entire life and he used to teach and help people with Macs and and he even had to buy a high-powered PC a gaming PC in order to do the work that we do in order to render and edit and create the world that we create has to be done on a PC three you are creating award-winning VR experiences But what was your personal once-in-a-lifetime experience? For me, my personal once-in-a-lifetime experience didn't happen in VR. It actually happened when I climbed, oh God, there's so many of them, but I think when I climbed to the top of a volcano called Misty in Arequipa, Peru. I did it without any oxygen assist. Uh, I had a guide to help me get up there. And I climbed up to 5,825 meters, which uh, for those in the United States is 19,000, almost 20,000 feet. And that was quite an accomplishment, physically, mentally. My brain kept telling me, go back down, and, and, but I kept going up. And that's been the way I've approached life, that when my fear centers kick in and tell me I can't do something, I take two more steps forward. And I keep doing that, thinking that at some point in time, the can't will actually be a can't and not just a won't. Four. What is your favorite hobby currently? 
Oh, it's hiking. My favorite hobby is hiking. I love hiking. I love putting a backpack on my back, walking to places that most people will never go. Well, that leads me to my first question. Why did you create an online platform that aims at fostering community? Is it not counterproductive to encourage online friendships when numerous studies have shown that real offline connections are much more beneficial than virtual ones and offering a new platform to speak virtually? So is therefore actually adding to the problem in the long term? I disagree completely. I've read the science. Online connections are not meant to replace in-person connections. It's just another way that we are able to connect. But in our everyday busy lives, we don't have time to get in front of people as often as we would like to connect as an extrovert. Introverts, it's a whole nother story. Being in someone's physical presence is important to our personal health. But being in someone's presence is equally as important. It doesn't have to be physical. And we saw that to be true during COVID while everyone was locked away in their apartments for fear of dying because they're going to walk outside and catch this horrible virus. And yet they had an outlet to connect. They had a way of getting together and uh, seeing people and meeting people. So the advantage that you have over connecting in a digital space versus a physical one are many. One is you get to meet people from all over the world that you wouldn't have come in contact with any other way. You're not limited by country lines, by carbon footprint, by financial footprint of traveling. The number of people, the variety of people that you get to meet from various walks of life all over the world in every possible language exists in VR that doesn't necessarily exist in the physical world. Most people never leave their hometown. If they do, they never leave their country. And if they leave their country, they only go to neighboring countries. But now with VR, you have the opportunity of connecting, collaborating, socializing with people from everywhere, which means you're learning about different cultures and you're gaining an awareness of how different people live. And you're more likely to get that in VR than you are in the physical world, unless you do what I do and live nomadically and travel everywhere. And even then, I'm still limited by the amount of people that can physically be in my presence. Another thing that VR does that you can't do in the physical world, for people that have social anxiety, that have something in their brain makeup that makes it very difficult for them to make eye contact, to be in a crowd, to be around a lot of people that they don't know. Being in an avatar and in VR gives you that freedom to practice socializing. Your avatars often make eye contact when we can't or when our eyes are too tired to. It creates an accessibility to socializing that we don't have in the physical world. So what you're literally saying is it's not the one or the other. And um, do you think COVID has helped to be our development? It's not one or the other. One is just as valid as the other for a different reason. I believe that socializing both virtually and physically is important. Uh, it's important for us to do it both. The children that are being born today are integrated into the digital system. 
They don't see anything different. Socializing with their friends during a game or online is just as valid as being in person. And what do you think what COVID did during that time? Do you think it pushed the VR industry? COVID definitely pushed the VR industry. I wouldn't be in the VR industry if it wasn't for COVID. I would have never have seen a need to pivot in that direction. So a lot of people, I think, took on VR for their companies, for their culture. We built worlds for really large brands. I mean, we built worlds for Microsoft. We built worlds for the UN Youth Council. We built worlds that were ways in which their communities could get together and work and collaborate, uh, solve world problems. And with the Youth Council, they realized that it was super expensive for the 300 and some odd delegates to get together four times a year. They would all go to the same place. That's a huge carbon footprint. And it's a very expensive financial footprint. And by being able to get together in VR, that took away that giant carbon footprint and gave them an opportunity to actually come together more often than four times a year. So I think now that the restrictions are lifted, they're back getting together in person, but also virtually. So it is an augmentation of what they were doing before. So people are keeping VR and going back to physical presence and doing both. You can hop into VR and socialize for an hour and then come out and go about your chores at your home a lot easier than you can get in your car and drive across town and go to this party and be at the party. And now you got to be there for four or five hours and then you got to get back in your car and then you got to drive back to wherever you are. The virtual spaces just give us an opportunity for that quick fix. So you've created the much celebrated and multi-award winning virtual Burning Man experience. Can you describe it to us in a few words? BRCVR, which stands for Black Rock City Virtual Reality, BRCVR was one of the official virtual Burning Man experiences. And what we created was a both a social, a collaborative, and a educational system for helping people create their art and share it and then connect with others. And this is unprecedented in the VR space. We had over 200 worlds, a hundred of which we created, a hundred of which the community created. And we had 3,500 hours of programming over an eight-day period of time. There's only 192 hours in eight days. So that's a lot to do and see. All the worlds were interconnected to each other so that you could hop from one to another. And we were told that what we created was basically a metaverse. But I feel like these have already existed, just much smaller than what we did. And we got a lot of press and a lot of awards, which brings a lot of attention. But I was able to personally connect with people in China and Kenya, Uruguay, Argentina, Peru, Mexico, all over the United States, all over Europe. We had a huge community from Spain and Italy that were all hanging out. And it's difficult for people to get to Burning Man. The event itself is in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the United, like the upper quarter of the United States. It's very expensive to get to. It's very difficult to get to. It takes a lot of planning and not everyone can make it. But the number one reason why people go to Burning Man is to connect with community. 
There's beautiful art. There's great music, but it is really in a godforsaken place. So if you want to connect with community, then what we created with BRCVR makes that accessible. It makes your ability to connect with community that's creative, that are artists, that want to collaborate with you. BRCVR allowed for that to happen, and that's why we had such a huge response. Educationally, we did Zoom calls to show people the resources of how to build in Blender, how to assemble your world in Unity and upload it onto the platform. Sometimes it was just onboarding calls to teach people how to get on the platform. And we learned a lot about event production because that is my background. And I had to figure out how to do event production in VR. So Big Rock Creative became like three companies. We did world creation. Um, we did event production. And then we did film production because both Doug and I come from a film production background. How to film inside of VR and stream it out so that we can get the word out that this is happening and invite people in. And that secret sauce is what made us so successful and what we did that was so different. What are your goals with the platform and how do you believe it will evolve in the future? We're in the middle of a massive evolution right now. BRCVR originally was built on the Altspace VR platform, but Altspace was sunset on March 10th of this year. So it no longer exists. And it was truly the best platform out there for event production. So Doug and I and a few other people have decided that we're going to build our own. We're going to build a place for BRCVR to live. And then ultimately the tool sets that we create will be adaptable to hopefully to other platforms, but also if people want to use the methodology that we create to build their own corner of the metaverse, they can. So it'll be pick the little nodules, modules, sorry, and put them together and create your own metaverse for your brand, for your community, for your theme park, for whatever you want. So that is what we're working on and, and building. And we're using our experience and the needs of the creator community to create it. So can you already give us any um, time framing on that? And uh, what do you think, in which direction you're going to develop it? Uh, well, right now we are raising funds. Uh, we do have a dev team that's developing right now. Uh, we're working with an amazing company called Foundry that has a integrated multiplayer part. And then we're going to be building out the event tools and the filming tools. Once we do our fundraising raise, our investor raise, we'll be able to move a lot faster. We have all the dev team and the people to put it all together in place. It's just having the funds to hire them to move it forward. So it's the difference between ready by the end of this year or ready by the end of next year. If we're going to do this in the slow way that we've been doing it, it probably won't be ready until Q4 of 2024. But we hope to have something released to the community for BRCVR by the end of this year. So what are your predictions about the future of events then? I think everything's going to be hybrid. I think all events in the future will be hybrid. Every location in the world is limited by location-based audience size. Some fire marshal is going to tell you how many people you can have in your venue, and that is your maximum occupancy. If you're fortunate, 
uh, you sell out the venue. But then there's all these people that would pay for a ticket to go, but they can't go because the venue is sold out. So you can sell virtual tickets to the same venue and you're not limited by location-based audience size. So a venue that maybe held 100,000 people, you could have a million people in attendance. Burning Man sells out its tickets instantaneously the minute they go on sale. And only 80,000 people will ever get to go to Burning Man in any one given year. That is our cap. But there are 3 million people that try to buy tickets to go to Burning Man every year. And then there's probably another 3 million people that don't even try because of the limitations, the accessibility limitations, the financial, whatever. The virtual gives us the ability to bring the global community together both in person and virtually. So let me ask you this question. What is reality to you and how would you define it? And what is virtual reality? And as you were saying already, the two worlds are merging. So what is it for you, reality and virtual reality? My reality are the memories I log in my mind. They are how I remember them. They are my reality. I actually have a degree in criminal justice, and one of the most fascinating things I studied was how witnesses remember details at a crime scene. And it's their reality, but they remember it differently than the person standing next to them witnessing the same crime. And that's their reality. So reality is your memories. It's how you remember it. So then there's physical reality and there's digital reality. That's the reality that you uh, log into your mind that comes from the physical meat space, as I like to refer to it, the physical space. And then you have the memories that you log in your mind from the digital spaces, virtual reality, maybe even augmented reality. So it's all reality, but it's your reality and your reality is unique to you. And you might agree with somebody else on what that reality is, but oftentimes, if you really sit down and dig into it, everyone's going to remember their reality differently. It's yours. That brings me to the next question. You are very vocal about the importance of mental health, the benefit of time spent alone, authenticity and meditation. How can one unite these things in our incredibly fast-paced, over-evolving and digital world that often can seem fake? Yeah, you, you hit on a very good point. Having personal time is very important. We spend so much time trying to please others that we don't even know what pleases ourselves and we don't pamper ourselves. We don't take care of ourselves. We're especially women. We're so busy caretaking. From the moment we're born, we're trained to be caretakers, but we care for everyone but ourselves. And it's very important. And this is why every Wednesday on my Instagram, I do the collective breath because I want people to come together and just breathe. Just taking that moment to breathe is a moment of self-care. Conscious breath, transitioning, and allowing yourself to relax a moment before you jump into the next task. This digital age is having us move faster than ever. Even before we got into virtual reality, as much as we have, we were 
on the internet. We were on the social media. We were in our games and moving at lightning speed. And that lightning speed even got faster just recently, just during COVID. I never did so much socializing before in my life and it was all in VR. So taking the time to unplug an hour in, an hour out, go have some personal time. It's super hard to do, especially if you're a mom with a young child, super hard to do, but you need it. It's good for your personal mental health. You need to have that time and you have to take it and it might feel selfish to do it, but the old adage of put your oxygen mask on first is true. You have to do this for yourself and therefore you can be your best self because you put your oxygen mask on first and then you can help others. Well, I mean, you are a very reflective person and um, I think it's not that easy for everybody to reflect himself. And isn't it also an intention of the big technology companies to create that dependency of being always on? Yes. Any big company doesn't even have to be a tech company. Any company whose marketing to you wants you to be dependent on their product. I think the reason why we use the term user to user experience, there's only one other way that we use the term user, and that's for addicts. You're a drug user. You're a computer user. I think in this new age that we are evolving into. We are actually evolving from users to participants. And these big companies that depend on us to constantly feed off whatever product they're selling us, the next fad that's on the market, they're going to have to look at a new way of communicating with us. We're not users. We're participants. The metaverse the digital space and the physical space is all about participation. How are you going to participate? And as a creator of these spaces, we're always looking at what tools are we going to create that allow people to participate with us? You know, I'm constantly talking about the principles of Burning Man. There are 10, but they're really the principles of humanity. They weren't ever written as, you should do this, but merely an observation of what we were already doing as a community when we were at our best. And participation is one of the key principles in those 10. My favorite is communal effort because communal effort kind of ties them all together. It's the ultimate collaboration. You have to create something larger than you can do yourself in order to have others be part of this communal effort. And in doing so, you are radically including them into your project. Radical inclusion is one of the principles and inviting them to participate with you. Participation is one of the principles. When they participate, they get an opportunity to radically express themselves within as part of the whole, within the whole project. And radical self-expression is one of the principles. And with all of the principles at play, we become this piece of humanity that's like a well-oiled machine. We're all working together. We are all able to express ourselves. 
by expressing yourselves, you're able to learn more about yourself. You feel included, like you're a part of the whole. You learn new skills, which helps you become radically self-reliant, which is also one of the principles. We always keep an eye out to leaving no trace, not leave no trace, leaving no trace. All the principles are actions. They're all verbs. They're all in the art of doing. And we have an economy even within Burning Man. Everybody's like, oh, there's no money, but there's still an economy and the economy is gifting. And in order for gifting to remain pure, in order to give a gift unconditionally, you have to decommodify it. And decommodification removes the added marketing and advertising and sponsorships and logos and all the ways in which we mar up the purity of the gift. And these 10 principles are what we're developing into the platform that we are building to give everyone a space to participate, collaborate, express themselves, learn more skills. That's why we were successful. If I'm listening to you, and um, I think it's wonderful what you just described, but um, when I'm looking into reality, I see people running around using Instagram or TikTok, taking their filters, addiction for hearts given. I sometimes have a problem believing what you just were mentioning. I mean, I can hope that the world of, in the future will look like you just described, but how can we mentally and emotionally stay flexible to adapt to changes in VR as well in reality? We can sometimes feel removed from reality due to so much of our lives happening digitally and feel distance from each other. How can we combat that and create real connections without the filter and without hearts given? Everyone needs to be acknowledged, some more than others, but people like to be told thank you or that I love you. They want to be seen and heard and listened to, to feel like they're a part of the whole. And unfortunately, the heart emojis, the poking, the how many likes you got and how many comments you got has filled in that need more than probably actual acknowledgement for deeds done. We have drifted away from what is healthy and taken that to be our reality. It's a shift in reality that we need to do. And I mean, at this moment, we don't, we don't have that. It's really a mental health problem more than anything. And it's not fake. It is their reality. It is unique to them. It's not my reality, but it is theirs. And I do post on Instagram. But the funny thing is, and people ask me this all the time, they're like, how many subscribers do you have on OnlyFans? And how many subscribers do you have on your Instagram? And I don't actually know. I don't look. I do my post and I don't really go back to see how many likes I have. I go and I look at the comments because maybe I need to respond to one of them. But I don't pay attention to the numbers game because I know in my heart that that's not healthy and that's not my reality. I don't want to make that my reality, but that's a conscious choice. And much of life we go through without making conscious choices. We just skim along living life the way it's been dictated to us. Conscious choice is a stepping out that's very difficult to do. But I think it's important for personal mental health. 
without wanting to offend you, but you see yourself as an aunt who has like so much experience in different fields of expertise. And um, I think it's beautiful what you just said of reflecting yourself. But what would you recommend to your young nieces and nephews if you would have some regarding the future of VR connection, real life versus the digital life? Well, digital life is real life. I distinguish them between the physical life and the digital life. Those are actually opposites, but it's all real. It all logs in our brain and our memories like a real memory. I can take a photograph and put it in a photo album. So, But I, I have talked to my nieces and nephews, and I'm Aunt Athena on all the different platforms, so I've become sort of everyone's aunt. And, you know, I tell people that they need to have balance in their lives. That's why breath is so important. Because if you do three deep breaths, three conscious deep breaths where you are choosing to take that breath, it switches off your limbic system and on your prefrontal cortex. So now you get to make a choice. It's a, enough of a pause that you now get to make a conscious choice to what you truly want to do or need to do. And then differentiating between needs and wants, because a lot of times we say we need a new pair of shoes when we really don't, you really want them, but we get those two confused. So being consciously aware of needs and wants and being consciously aware of whether you're being reactionary or whether you're making a conscious choice. And I haven't always been this way. I'm a work in progress, just like everybody else. You have to do the work. I mean, in my 20s, I was very reactionary. And I thought I was making a conscious choice. And I look back at it now, and I definitely was not. So it's a, it's a constant work in progress. I'm still a work in progress. But I am making a more concerted effort to make sure that the choices I make are mine to make and that I'm doing what's best for myself and humanity as a whole. What's next for you? Do you have any plans for the future of your career or the future development of Big Rock Creative? Yes, Big Rock Creative is embarking on creating a tool set for the next generation of storytelling. A tool set that allows for a participatory audience experience that is immersive, communal, collaborative, art, and of course, narrative storytelling, but all the ways in which we can come together and tell our story, the global hour. Seven years from now. And let me end with my last question concerning your area of expertise. How do you predict the world will have changed seven years from now? Will we all be living our lives largely in VR? I think we will have figured out the digital physical balance some of us will be too far in the digital some of us will be you know steadfast into the physical but we will have created an industry balance where everything is hybridized from the theme park point of view you have already jumped into the virtual spaces adding them to some of your rides but you're only connecting to the people that are actually physically at your park And there's no reason why those rides couldn't exist digitally as well and even hybridized so the people at the park could see the people that were in the virtual space and vice versa 
you're limited to the number of people you can have come through your park in any given day, but we're not limited in the digital space. It's mainly rendering and server size, which is getting better exponentially uh, day by day, especially when we get into quantum computing. And that would be a whole other conversation that we don't have time for, but it's super fascinating. I think that we are going to find this balance. The digital world is gonna get completely integrated into our physical space, our physical world is gonna get integrated into the digital space and together it is just one world. It is just another way of being, but I think because it takes down country lines, because it takes down these barriers that we have between us, that we're more likely to learn about each other in the digital spaces and become humanity. We now have this opportunity to evolve from homo sapiens forming a society to human beings living as humanity. And I think the digital spaces are going to give us that opportunity. There is no more us and them. There is only us and we. Athena, it was uh, beautiful talking to you. Thank you so much for all the insights you gave us. I could go on forever talking to you and I'm looking forward um, to see you soon in person again, whether it's be here at uh, Europa Park or somewhere around the world. Oh, thank you so much. This was a wonderful conversation. And I, I love Europa Park. I spent two weeks there running around and had a great time on all the rides. So thank you so much to you and to your family for that amazing place where friends and families get together to connect and have fun. Thank you. Michelle Park presents The World Beyond. Emotion is of tomorrow. A Mac One production.